calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to another episode of Take 15 at the CFA Institute. My name is Greg Seals. I'm Director of Fixed Income and Behavioral Finance. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by Peter Stein, and we're going to be talking about risk management in a uh, fund-to-funds context. Uh, welcome, Peter. Hi. Uh, now, Peter, uh, just let me introduce you a little bit further. You're a Managing Director at Pacific Alternative Asset Management, otherwise known as PAMCO, in Newport Beach, California. Previously, you were the CIO of uh, the University of Chicago Foundation, where we're sitting today at the Financial Analyst Conference. And uh, so you're uniquely qualified to talk about um, uh, risk management, fund of funds, and alternative investments, given, given your background. That's what we wanted to delve into today. So to start out with, maybe we could talk a little bit about the endowment model uh, and some of the issues that have come up with that through the financial crisis, maybe spending a little bit more time on, on private equity, less liquid uh, strategies. Uh, very much that. So. You're asking it more politely than, than I've heard it before. Usually the question is, is the Yale model dead? <laughs> right. um, I think it's very much so. Um, all of these things, financial markets are cyclical. And uh, we're certainly at a tough point in the cycle, but those tough points are what create opportunity. Um, we're at a point where most people don't have liquidity. Most people are afraid to budget to things that take a long-term commitment and that have that rely on that that bind them to uncertain timing of capital. Of, uh, of capital calls, but that's what makes thing that's what makes for attractive returns in things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that also makes it difficult for people to take advantage of it. Right. Uh, but that's how markets work. So it's there, things will be things things are getting more attractive. Things will get more attractive still but it's difficult to extract those returns. When you don't have the flexibility if it were easy, it wouldn't be as attractive. Now, switching over a little bit to the the fund of funds uh, world that you that you work in now, um, you know, one of the criticisms I suppose have been uh, the fees. You know, in a, in a fund of funds world, can you comment on you know what the justification is for those fees, or or how you guys have approached um, that question? Uh, well, there there are two sides to that. One is um we as a fund of funds provider we as we negotiate aggressively with the underlying managers and we actually make up a significant portion of the fees we charge by negotiating with the underlying managers um as sort of a volume discount um and uh in particular we focus on in our business what we call emerging managers um, startup or near startup managers, 
um, and we provide not only early capital, but we tend to be a, pre a preferred investor because of the fact that we've done this a lot and that we provide them a sounding board and we help them get themselves set up. So we frequently get significantly reduced fees. Uh, so we tend to almost pay for ourselves. Right. Uh, but that aside, um, we provide we provide an oversight structure and fiduciary fiduciary responsibility, as well as um, the we have 130 people now in total. Um, so the selection of the portfolio from the universe of thousands of hedge fund managers, the continual oversight, due diligence, um, portfolio construction, risk monitoring, and measurement. It's quite a few services you're providing. I could keep going for as long as you want me to. <laughs> right. I get. I think we get the idea. There's. It's possible that you know. Obviously, there's different flavors of fund of funds of funds out there. Different ways that that people are structured. Um, in terms of providing these services and the, the value they they find, uh, and I think we're going to talk about that a, a little bit more. Many, many of our many of our clients do direct investments as well, right. and we are happy to work with them. Uh, our firm is very relationship based. Okay. We have relationships with our clients. We work with them. Again, we focus on on earlier stage managers. They don't need us to invest in the big name brand managers for them and to pay us a fee to do that. Sure. That um, we will talk to them about it as they're looking at things and help them with that decision. Uh, but that's part of the relationship. That's not part of what we put in the fund in the assets that we have under management for them. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit more, drill down on the, the risk management process at, at PAMCO, how you guys have approached it. Maybe you can talk in that context a little bit about things that might be different now versus, uh, if they significantly are, versus prior to the crisis we've been through. Risk management at PAMCO, is, it's a very comprehensive, it's, one, it's, a, it's central to our business. It's one of the cores, um, and it's something that we take very seriously to the point where we will not invest uh, first of all, risk has risk has a veto on any manager hire, um, and we won't invest unless we get position level transparency from the manager in a format that's acceptable to us um, on at least a monthly basis. Um, and our risk data people can can veto as well if the, if the if the format and the data aren't acceptable. Um, and we have we take. We take it very seriously. We use that risk. We use the risk information as in the traditional sense that most people, that fund of funds have always used it as a sort of safety net and also as part of the portfolio construction process. In terms of aggregating the, the managers together? But risk is, is more than just the quantitative risk management. Risk is a risk risk comes in in many ways so one of the things that has been a big push for us since before 08 and we've continued to focus on it it worked very well for us in 08 is structure and governance um, those are part of what we refer to and this is another answer to your question about how do we add value 
Those are things part of what we refer to as non-investment alpha. So we've made a big push on investment structuring. Um, where we are in commingled funds, um, we have a big emphasis on making sure that there are true independent directors um, rather than rent-a-directors or um, where we prefer, uh, we prefer, however, where we can in most cases to be in vehicles where we have, where we can have control over the assets if necessary mm -hmm. um, in structures that we can set up. And how common is that? Do you have some sense of how common that is in the industry? There's a lot of talk about it. There are more and more people doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we like to think that we're at the cutting edge. It's something we've spent a lot of time and energy on, and it worked well for us in 08 when, when people were, were gating and suspending and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and it's something we've continued to focus on and continue to move forward with. So that's, that's one side of risk management. Mm -hmm. um, then the other thing is the quantitative risk management that I mentioned. Right. Um, we have position level transparency from all of our managers. So you can uh, look yeah. for overlaps and positions overlap. that might be too large. But not just that, but we, I mean, in my previous lives in say an endowment, um, if I had had position level transparency from my managers, mm -hmm. would have been meaningless because I wouldn't have been able to do anything with it. Right. Um, here we actually have a large risk department um, with people with people who um, who know what to do with this data, right. um, and we're all trained in how to use the reports. And there's a lot of and there's actually there's a lot of overlap between risk and portfolio management. Um, and so we have we have large we have copious quantitative risk reports, um, and one of the things that we do particularly well is to integrate the quantitative and the qualitative risk reports. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that anyone who knows me and anyone who's seen me knows is that I'm very fond of saying, and I say it over and over and over, and is that anything that can be measured with one number probably isn't that interesting or that useful, and so we don't just use one report or one number. We have multiple reports, any of which could suggest something that might need further investigation. And if any of those reports suggest further investigation, then we go and we talk to the manager and we discuss it and find out what needs, what is going on. And also we, every month for each manager we write a risk report, and that risk report is a combination of qualitative and quantitative, both. Right. And it's something that I think, you know, again, having seen a lot of this type of thing, I've, you know, I've always thought that most most places overemphasize either the quantitative or the qualitative. So it's the blending that's important to you in looking at risk. I, th I think I think people who think that they can do risk ma risk management in a purely quantitative way. I think are fooling themselves. Right, they're tools uh, right. um, to help you get right. to decisions or questions, as you said. And then on the other hand, you know, when I was when I was without the when I was without the quantitative tools, mm -hmm. trying to do it all qual qualitatively. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as the more complex your portfolio gets, the harder and harder it is to do, and the more you're letting go by, the more you have to rely on big picture thoughts right. and rolling things up. 
this is this is trying uh, having this combination of the quantitative and the qualitative and using it iteratively back and forth to understand what's going on I think is the, the approach that that has to be taken to do it well once you get into a moderately complex portfolio right well certainly hedge funds are complex and we really appreciate you sharing your your uh, insights and thoughts about uh, approaching approaching the risk management problem. So thanks, Peter. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Take 15 at CFA Institute. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.